You know, there's some things in life that we, we have a tendency to, to take for granted. Things in life that we have a tendency to, to take for granted. Why don't you think about that just for a second? Sometimes it's those things that we, we experience on a, a day-to-day basis that all of a sudden they just become commonplace and we forget the significance of them. I was seeing some pictures of uh, some friends of ours that are up in Canada in the Canadian Rockies. And, you know, probably some of the people that live in that area, they take for granted the beauty and the majesty of what God has created there. But when you visit there, it's like, oh, my word. If you've ever seen Emerald Lake and you've seen the clarity and the blue water, it just like takes your breath away. Probably some of the people that live in the Caribbean where the waters are blue, they take it for granted every day. Yet those of us that visit there, we go, my goodness gracious, isn't it unbelievable? There are other things that we take for granted, like clean water. If you've ever been to a third world country and you've had to worry about the water that you were drinking, whether or not it was good or bad, you don't ever want to drink bad water because if you know, if you've ever drank bad water, it's bad. It's bad. And I don't mean it tastes bad. Some of you think sulfur water is bad. That's not what I'm talking bad, but I'm talking about bad, bad water. Some of us take for granted hot water. You ever taken for granted hot water? So it was last year, it was after the hurricane, it's about day number four, day number five. Well, I've been running the generator and on the way out, it was getting close. You know, we were, you knew you were, you were getting, gonna, hopefully you're going to get power back sometime soon. So I'm headed out the door and Meredith said to me, she said, oh, man, I just can't wait to take a hot shower. And I said, well, I said, well, baby, all I got to do is turn on the hot water heater. And she said, what do you mean turn on the hot water heater? She said, you mean to tell me that we could have had hot water this whole time? I said, well, baby, who in the world wants hot water when it's hot outside? I said, man, this has been great. I thought she's going to kill me. <laughs> Needless to say, I think if we experience another hurricane, the hot water is going to be one of the things, I guess, that's, that I happen to turn on. But there are other things in life that we, we take for granted. Cell service until you don't have it. Internet service. Four bars, people who love you, motor skills. I thought about that with Brian and his family as I was talking to them. Motor skills up until that time had been taken for granted, but all of a sudden life changes. Life has a way of changing quickly, doesn't it? But there's other things that we have a way of taking for granted as well. Things like guardrails. You have a tendency to maybe overlook them. You find them on the highways. You don't always see them, and you probably don't even pay attention to them, except if there's ever been a time in your life when you've needed them and they've saved your life. And there are different types of guardrails. There's like metal guardrails, and there's wood guardrails, and there's even cable guardrails, and they're placed in strategic areas where there's potential danger. And when you see a guardrail, you know that danger isn't too far away. Guardrails are also designed to minimize damage, not only physical damage, but also property. But the third thing that I want to say about guardrails today is this. They aren't just applicable for the roadways, but they are applicable for our everyday life and life's highways. 
Because I'm going to tell you this. I mean, think about this just for a second. I mean, imagine how many financial, moral, relational, professional mistakes and failures could have been avoided if we only had some guardrails and boundaries in our life. How many of us can look back on a time and say, man, I, <laughs> I wish I'd have had some boundaries in my life at that time? Because there's some things, there's some parts of your story that you'd rather not go back and have to recount. There's parts of your stories that you'd rather never, ever have to talk about. So what if we were to develop some standards and behaviors that float out of God's word? And these aren't standards and behaviors for everybody else. These are standards and behaviors for you, not your spouse, not your children, not your kids or your neighbor or your boss. But what if you were to develop some guardrails or some boundaries in your life? And what happens if those moments and times when you begin to, you begin to bypass those, those boundaries that all of a sudden it was like, man, your conscious, your bells and whistles just, just went off. Now, when I get in my truck, I don't have a lot of bells and whistles. When I get in Meredith's vehicle, because it's a little newer, I mean, if I don't buckle in within a matter of a few minutes when I'm on the road, that, that vehicle is going ding, 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 ding. And it, you're like, well, you just be quiet. You know, you buckle in. You want to get buckled in. But what, what, what would it be like if in our lives, when, if we had some boundaries and we had some things that we had set up in our lives, some guardrails, that when we got too close to the edge, we got too close to danger, all of a sudden, the bells and the whistles would begin to, to ring. Because when we refuse to pay attention to the guardrails, this is what I know that we've set up to protect us. Not only will we suffer, but when we refuse to pay attention to the guardrails, also those around us will suffer as well. Now, this is what culture says. Culture says, man, that's, that's stupid. Why would you even want to begin to even think like that? That's dumb. They're unnecessary. And some of the messages that culture today that we're in that will feed us are, are messages like, man, listen, listen, whatever feels good, just do it. Just let it all hang out. You snooze, you lose. Go for the gusto. You only live once, and you've heard this before in culture, just drink responsibly. Well, would somebody like to define for me what responsible drinking is? It's hard to define that, isn't it? But that's what culture says. Some people will say, listen, guardrails are nothing more than legalistic rules and regulations. But regardless of what everybody else thinks, what if we were to consider to establish some personal boundaries in our own lives? What if we were to happen to opt for setting some up in our lives? Now, your friends may not like it. They may not like it. But I promise you this, you'll have a lot fewer regrets to look back on. So, let me define for you a guardrail. If we were to go back to the dictionary, this is what it would say. It would say a guardrail is a system developed to keep vehicles from wandering into dangerous places, areas that are off limits. But why don't we say this right here in reference to our conversation as we talk about life's highway and about the road that we're on because we're going to be faced with multiple decisions within our lives. Why don't we say that it's a measure of behavior that becomes a matter of the conscience. And you know what's so awesome is that God's word isn't silent. Man, it talks a tremendous amount about places where there's danger, where it lies in wait to destroy us. In the Old and New Testament, the Bible is filled with talking about setting up standards and boundaries in our lives because you know why? 
God loves us. And he doesn't want to have to, for us to have to experience the difficulty. And here's the great news that what we're going to talk about over the next several weeks is that regardless if you're a follower of Christ or not, what we're going to talk about is applicable to your life right now. Without a shadow of a doubt, I know it. And man, this is so timely because I know of instances that are going on all around us. And that's what sort of led up until this time. I know things that are going on in people's lives and things that are happening here, there, and all over the world. But what if we were to take God's word and what happens if it were to be what helped define our life? What if, what if we were to take God's word and we were to seek in, in, in the best way that we could to align our lives to what God's word has to say? I have to believe that it would make a difference. I know that it would. So with that being said, I want you to turn over to the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. I want you to turn over to chapter 5. The book of Ephesians, the letter was written by Paul to the church there at Ephesus. It was a letter that just didn't go to the church at Ephesus, but it was distributed, we believe, scholars believe, to other churches that were within that area. It was one of the four letters that we call the prison letters that Paul wrote while he was in prison. If we were to take their six chapters in the book of Ephesians, one through three, we would say that it deals with the relationship with God, our vertical relationship with God and our position in Christ. The second three chapters, four, five, and six, deal with our relationship with other people and the practical application, the practice here on earth of our faith in Christ as we live in community with one another. And so it is, here's Paul writing to a group of people living in a culture that's messed up. I mean, you think today is messed up? It was just as messed up then. Sin has created such a mess within our societies. And here's Paul sending this letter, and he begins to share a list of do's and don'ts. And I mean, and the guys that were listening, saying, they were saying like, well, you know, how, how do I live that out in everyday life? I mean, okay, I hear what you're saying, Paul. But, you know, how do, how do we live that way here inside the culture that we're living? Because, man, don't you know, here we are living in this culture as a follower, wanting to follow Christ, but don't you know what's going on on the outside? It's the same thing that we struggle with today. I mean, here we are believers on the inside, but God didn't call us to just stay on the inside. He called us to go to the outside. And so how do we live in that world as a follower of Christ? How do we live in the world but not act the way the world acts? How do we live in it but not be of it? And so here's Paul writing to the church and the believers there at Ephesus. And the same words that he wrote to them are very, very applicable to us today. And listen, and I, I don't know what you may be wrestling with today. And I don't know the issues that you may be struggling with. But I promise you, it wouldn't surprise me by the time that we're done here today if the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to you about an issue in your life that maybe he wants to do some specific road work. Because we're on this highway. And on this highway, Sharon, there's an awful lot of bumps and bruises. And there's an awful lot of detours from time to time. And there's an awful lot of places where there's danger that lurks. And the Lord doesn't have to, he didn't want us to have to walk through some of that trash. So let's talk about what, 
what he has here. Let's look and see what Paul has to say in in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Let's start out. Now, there's a group of guys that I've been working with over the past nine, ten months or so. I think I ought to have them all stand right now and, and recite this verse because this is one of the memory verses. Troy, right? Scott, right? Mm-hmm. Wonder if we ought to start here today. Where's Johnny Wu? Because see, I know Johnny's got it memorized. Yeah. <laughs> but this is why Paul starts out. He says this. He said, listen, so be careful how you, what? Be careful how you live. Now, that word in the Greek actually means walk. Listen, if you've ever, if you grew up on a farm or you've been in an area where there's sort of a small confined area with many animals, you'll sort of have a better understanding of what Paul is trying to say here. Be careful where you walk because you might step on something, right? Be careful how you walk. Watch your step. Watch your step. Listen, I got family members. It seems like wherever they go, they can find a landmine. I don't know why that is. It'll always find its way into the house or into the vehicle, and you're like going, what is that smell? Because they didn't watch your step. So here's Paul saying, listen, watch your step. Be careful how you live. So be careful how you live. Don't live like a what? Fool. Don't live like fools or unwise. Now, if we were to give define a, a fool, we would say somebody that has no regard for God or his word. David would say this in the book of Psalms. A fool is someone who says in his heart, there is no God, and they are corrupt, and their actions are are evil. The opposite of a fool is what? A wise person. A wise person, we would say in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, wisdom comes from the fear of the Lord. Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes, a wise person chooses the right road, a fool takes the wrong one. But wisdom is a whole lot bigger than right and wrong, isn't it? Wisdom is a lot bigger than right and wrong. And to clarify, just because something is legal doesn't necessarily mean it's wise. I mean, just because abortion may be legal in certain areas doesn't mean, doesn't mean that it's wise. Doesn't mean that it's right. Just because it's not illegal to have an affair on your spouse doesn't mean that it's, it's right. And it sure isn't wise. So, so just because something is legal doesn't make it rise. Just because something we may say something is right doesn't make, mean that it's wise. And Paul says, listen, be careful how you live or walk. Don't live like a fool, like somebody that, that has a disregard for God or his word. But live like a wise person. Live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity, which actually means to redeem the time. One of the ways that we might say this in our language today is to be intentional if you want to make the most of every opportunity, how, how do we do that and not waste time? We have to be intentional. And I say this often, because once today is gone, so are its opportunities. That's why it's called the present, because that's exactly what it is. Today is a present. So you want to make the most of, of every opportunity. Because you know what happens when we aren't careful with our time. And Paul says, listen, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. Because the days are evil. Paul's saying, look, we live in a dangerous world. Morally, ethically, professionally, relationally, we are being challenged every day. Day. So you better be careful how you live. 
Don't live like a fool, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. And then look at what he says there in verse 17. Don't act thoughtlessly. Let me see if there's a a way to say this. In other words, don't think that the decisions that you make today or I make today or we make today won't end up affecting us tomorrow. Don't think that you can act carelessly today and get away with it. Jim, it's just not that way. It'll eventually catch up to us. Our foolishness will eventually catch up to us. So don't live thoughtlessly. Don't act thoughtlessly. And he says, but, contrasting, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Now, every one of us as parents probably have some things that we would love to be able to sit down with our kids and we wish that we could drill this in their heads. Listen, there's some things that I just want to make sure that you understand. You need to understand that these things are important. You got some things that you want to be able to tell your kids or grandchildren. Man, listen, I want to tell you, these things are really important. You need to make sure, make sure, don't forget these things, these things. Then you can fill in the blank. But here's Paul giving a command to the believers to accept and embrace God's will for life. And listen, stop, stop, stop pretending. Stop pretending and deceiving yourselves. Because you know what? You know what's on the other side of the guardrail, don't you? See, you you know what's on the other side of the boundary. You know. You know the pain and suffering. Nobody needs to tell you about the danger that's on the other side of the guardrail. Nobody needs to tell you what's on the other side of the boundary because that's why you set a boundary. It's not a secret. You know what happens when we act like a fool, Bill. Ah, Bill, I'm not calling you a fool now. Maybe I need to look in the balcony, but I can't see up there. I mean, we, we know what it's like when we act like a fool. We know the consequences. I mean, does anybody need to explain to us the danger of sex before marriage? I mean, come on, people. I mean, think about it. Does anybody need to tell us the dangers of the abuse of alcohol? Does anybody need to quiz us or, or question us on the effects of the dangers of lying and cheating? What about the dangers of pornography? I mean, and yet we act like there's no consequences to our foolish living, but we know that's not true because we know there's danger on the other side, right? Yet we go, whoop. And here he is saying, but but understand, listen, don't act like a fool, act like a, a wise person. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't see how close you can get to the fire don't see how close you can get to the, to the edge. Twenty-five years ago, we had a place in the mountains. They told us it was a, a cabin. It was a cabin. I don't remember if it had electricity or not. All I know is how cold it was that night. And there were two of us couples, and we all ended up sleeping right in front of the fire until my buddy let the fire go out in the middle of the night. That was his job. I told him that was your job. We were so far up in the mountains, I woke up, <laughs> when I woke up the next morning, I woke up the, dark, the dog, dogs barking. And I thought, what in the world? Oh, it was, 
it's like, like Coon Haven. There's a second plug for Coon Haven the past two weeks. So I, I walk outside, and there was a guy. Like, it was like it was in the movies. Like he had a long beard, like way down to here, and he was in a pair of overalls, and he had a gun. He was standing like this. And I said, man, what are you doing? He said, bar up here in these hills. They don't bear. Don't run through here. And he go hunt them bears. And I thought, boy, I'm way up here in the woods. <laughs> Woo. And uh, so I told Meredith, I said, I got to find a heater someplace. I mean, we got to, we froze to death. So I started walking around and looking for, for places. And on the way back, there was a stream. I don't know if you remember this or not. There was a stream that was there. So I thought to myself, well, I can get over here and I can just check it out. You know, and it, you got to remember how it was freezing. So I got up there and got just, a, I was looking for some fish, see if I could see some. I was going to catch some. You ever had that thought, you ought to not do that? <laughs> and then you, after you do it, you, you think that everybody in the world has saw what you just did that was really stupid because you got too close to the edge. Man, it wasn't just like in, in. I went all in. Baby, it was all in. I got too close to the edge. And yet, why is it in life that we think that when we get too close to the edge that we're not going to get burnt? Why is it that when we get in life and we know that, man, we're getting too close to the edge and, and we're not going to fall in and all of a sudden have to face the consequences? Listen, it may not be as easy as just getting wet and cold. Sometimes it just doesn't affect you. So many times we play with the fire and get as close to the edge as possible, even knowing the potential of the consequences, overextending ourselves financially, deciding that you can eat at the all-you-can-eat Chinese buffet, all right? Let's just get all up into business today. Accepting that invitation to go someplace that you know you ought not to go, hang out with those people that you know you don't maybe ought to not hang out with because you know it's a weakness there in your life. And yet you, you just set it aside saying, listen, it's not really that big of a deal. I can do it because I won't get hurt. It won't cause anybody any pain. And Paul gives us an example of what it looks like to walk in wisdom. And he gives us an illustration there in verse 18, and don't misunderstand what he's trying to say here. But this is what he says in verse 18. Don't be drunk. Don't be drunk on wine. Don't be drunk on wine. The use of wine was commonplace. A whole lot safer than it was drinking the water, I promise you that. But he says, don't be drunk on wine. And here's an illustration where if we aren't careful, we'll find ourselves in a place that we never wanted to be. But let me, before I talk about any further, let me clarify a couple things. Number one, I don't drink. It's not good or bad. I wasn't raised in a, an environment where alcohol was part of the family that I was raised in. Um, I didn't hang out in places where alcohol was served when I was growing up or I wasn't a part of its environments. And secondly, I want you to know that I've been in ministry for 36 years, 37 years, working and walking alongside people. And I can't think of one positive experience in my life or anybody else's life in reference to alcohol. I don't care if you drink, that's your business. I want to tell you what the scripture has to say and what Paul has to say here. He says, don't be drunk on wine. 
But I wanted to preface that because, see, I'm the one that's had to go and get that phone call in the middle of the night to go to a scene to identify a body that's been killed that nobody else can identify. See, I'm the one that's had to go to the house in the middle of the night and wake up parents and say, I'm sorry. I'm the one that's had to, to, to go with law enforcement to a place where there's a husband that's angry and he's drunk and he's beat up his wife and his kids. And I don't know of a place or a story where alcohol was introduced and things all of a sudden got better. As a matter of fact, I'm, it's just the opposite. I mean, let's just look and be honest. We all know what's on the other side of the guardrail when we drink too much, right? Some of us in this room have experienced that. You probably never want to go back there again. But Paul is saying, listen, don't wait, but you need to set up some stuff. Don't get drunk on wine. Why? And there's a whole list of consequences that we can, we can come up with. Why not get drunk? And he says this right here, because it'll ruin your life. And Paul says, listen, don't wait to set up a guardrail. Not because having a drink is a sin, and there's some of you guys that would really love for me to go there today, but I'm not going to go there. But he says, listen, getting drunk is foolish. You'll end up doing some foolish things. Don't get drunk on wine. Because why? It'll ruin your life. It'll ruin your family. I know some people that wish they would have established some guardrails here years ago. Because, see, they know what the complications are on the other side of the guardrail. I know that looking back in their life, they wish that it would have taken some time to set up some boundaries. I know that they would, they would have loved to have had somebody hold them accountable in those times. And the NIV says this. It says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Now, that's a really big word, debauchery. Say that word with me, debauchery. Debauchery. Unrestrained indulgence. Let me simplify it for you. I'm a pretty simple person. Partying, unholy living, loss of control. That's what he's talking about. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. In other words, when you get drunk on wine, it leads you to do some stupid stuff. Stupid stuff. I mean, if you want to YouTube it, why don't you just YouTube it and see how many funny videos there are of people that they've, been, they've videoed them while they're drunk. See, you know what's out there. You've laughed at some of the videos because they're acting stupid. Why? Because they're drunk. It's what drunk people do. They act stupid. And alcohol is just one of the things that can lead us to lose control. And Paul just begins here and he points us towards the place of saying, listen, you need a guardrail. You need a boundary. You need something in your, in your life that will help the bells and whistles go off when you get too close to the edge. And Paul's just addressing something here that was common. I mean, it's just a common problem where he was at. And I don't want you to get hung up on this one illustration because there's so much more. He just happens to begin here. And he wants us to know that the days that we live in are dangerous. Not get drunk on wine. Why? Because, man, listen, it'll cause you to lose control and do some crazy things. And loss of control can lead to regrets. And it might not be you that loses control. It might be another person. But guess who will end up facing the consequences? You will. Regardless, loss of control in another person's life can lead to disaster in yours. We need guardrails, boundaries. And here's Paul. And he turns around and he contrasts this idea 
of living out of control and acting like a fool. And he says this. He said, instead, and this is Paul who's writing to the church at Ephesus, and he's writing to believers, and this is a Paul who believed that Jesus was the Son of God, that he was the Messiah, that he came to save us from the sins, from our sins, that it was Jesus that um, was crucified, that it was Jesus who was buried, and it was Jesus who was resurrected. And Paul is saying, listen, don't be drunk on wine that leads to loose living. Don't do that. But he said, instead, be filled with what? The Holy Spirit. Don't act like the fool. Be wise. Man, don't do this over here, which leads to ruin. But he said, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instead of becoming a slave or mastered by a job, a hobby, working out lust, greed, sexual immorality, financial, financial gain, food, alcohol, instead of giving control of your life over... This is what he's saying. What I want you to do is I want you to submit yourself and be filled with the Spirit. Instead of filling your life up with something that will only bring temporary satisfaction, what I want you to do is I want you to fill yourself up, submit yourself, be filled with the Holy Spirit on something that doesn't lead to death, but it leads to eternal life. Can you get that? Because I'm going to tell you, listen to me, we all love the satisfaction of the moment. But sometimes we don't recognize and understand the consequences that will come later down the line. And Paul says, listen, man, don't fill yourself up with something that's only going to bring temporary satisfaction. Fill yourself up with the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, through the filling of the Holy Spirit. Because it leads to eternal life. It's not a secret. Man, God wants to be number one in your life. Donnie wants to be number one. Mark, he wants to be number one. Larry, he wants to be number one. John, he wants to be number one in your life. Sydney, he wants to be number one in my life, not number two. Number one. And when we choose to follow Christ, the scripture teaches us that the Holy Spirit comes to reside within us. And here's Jesus talking to his disciples. And in John chapter 14, this is what he said, that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will teach us everything and remind you of everything I have told you. See, the Holy Spirit is your conscience. He will speak to you. You already know. Man, I ought to not be doing that. You, you know it. But how many times do we do it anyway? The Holy Spirit's like that gentle nudge. And if you're a Christ follower, you know you know, Paul's saying, come on, your life is too important. Time is too short. The world we're living in is way too dangerous, so pay attention and be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in the evil days. Don't act foolishly. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't get drunk on wine because it'll ruin your life, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know of anybody that plans to mess up their life. You know, you're in school. What do you want to be? Well, teacher, I just plan on messing up my life one day. That's all I want to do. Just plan on messing up my life. You're sitting around with some friends in a small group and you're having a conversation about Jesus. Well, what do you, I just plan on messing up my life. That's all I want to do. 
We say this all the time, every one of us, I don't care who you are, what your name is, what position you hold, how long you've been a follower of Christ, man, how many books of the Bible you've got memorized, I don't really care because every one of us are a step away from stupid at any moment. Every one of us. Even Steve Painter, as smart as he is. Every one of us. And your issue may not be alcohol, but maybe there's something else that's coming to your, in your life and in your mind. Maybe it's all of a sudden why we've been talking today. There's the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you, a place where you're walking really, really close to the edge. And you know it. You know it. And you know what's on the other side of the guardrail. See, she may be a really good listener. She may be a really good listener. But you know, you know you are not be having that meeting. You know that you are not be having that lunch date. You ought to know, you know that you are not be spent. But he, oh, listen, he just, he, he is such a good listener. He understands me. I can tell you where that's going to go. Some of you have been there and you've fallen into that trap because you didn't have a guardrail, you didn't have a boundary in your life. Maybe it's that unnecessary expense that you, that you, that you know will stretch you, but you're, you're right on that edge of making it. Maybe it's that invite to that Chinese buffet. We can laugh, but we know it's true, don't we? Because every one of us are a step away from stupid. We but when we listen, we know the area that we will be tempted to lose control. And that area will come to our mind because the Holy Spirit will bring it to us. And maybe, maybe when that happens, maybe, just maybe, it's God saying, listen, I want you to think about some things. Because there's some stuff going on in your life and I love you. And I don't want you to have to see what's on the other side of the guardrail. I don't want you to experience the danger. I don't want you to experience the foolishness that's on the other side of the guardrail. So you may have to make some really, really tough choices. I've never ever heard of a person that set up some boundaries or guardrails in their life that look back with regrets. But man, I've talked to a whole bunch of people that have said, I wish I had them. Culture will say you don't need them. Culture will say it's stupid. No one plans to destroy their car. Nobody destroys to, plans to destroy their marriage. No one intentionally plans to sabotage their finances or their friendships. But how hard do we, wait, do we work making sure that we don't? See, it's not about being more careful. It's not about it. But it's about being God's. And if you're a disciple and if you're a learner, and if we believe what the scripture has to say in being a follower of Christ and being changed by Christ, what it says is that God, that, that what I'm really concerned about is a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to position myself to not only hear your voice, but Jesus, I want to submit myself to you because I want to grow in your likeness. And what I want to do with my life is I want to bring you glory every day. That's a big deal because see, that's what the world on the outside is, is looking for. So where do you start? What's an area of your life that you might need to deal with? What's the area of your life that you might be standing close to the edge and flirting with disaster? Because if you're a believer and the Holy Spirit resides in you, I bet you already know. So what we want to do is we want to talk about that over the next 
several weeks. And I think this is really timely for all of us. Because we not only are interested in just doing church on Sunday morning, we want to leave a legacy of faith. We want to live for Jesus and be his ambassador to the world that he's called us to reach. If you don't know Christ and if you don't have a personal relationship with him, there's no day better than today than to cry out to him and say, Jesus, today, I don't understand all the details, but this is what I know. And Paul believed it. Jesus was the Son of God. He was the Messiah. He was crucified and he died on a cross for our sins. He was buried in a tomb, but he was resurrected. And the Bible taught us and teaches us that Jesus was ascended to heaven and he's in heaven right now preparing a place for us. But one day he's coming back. One day he's coming back. And if you don't know him, there's no better day than today to say, Jesus, I want to give my life to you. If you're here today and you're a follower of Christ, my question is, how does this and what we've talked about today, how does what Paul had to say impact our lives? Let's pray. Father, what a blessing it is for us to be able to gather in your house. Our hearts are heavy in many ways for different things that are going on in and around in the lives of our church family and those that we know. We're thankful that, Father, our hope isn't in circumstances, but just like that song that we sang, that our hope is in you. Our hope is in you, Jesus. I pray that we would heed the words of Paul. Even may, this may even be a memory verse that we want to, some verses that we want to memorize and we want to talk about them within our homes. These are great verses. Father, for those of us believers, help us to, to see and to recognize Father, where is it in our lives that we're standing too close to the edge and would we even be willing to acknowledge that today to even ask, even talk to somebody else about it and say, Lord, would you help me to be accountable in these areas? I know in my own life I've had to do that and I fall short. I'm, I'm speaking, Father, as somebody that struggles with this. This isn't to somebody, this is to me. I know the significance of, of what's being said Father, I pray that we would be your people. Father, that we would continually live in such a way that, God, our lives would be a, a testimony for you of your grace and your mercy. And that, Father, we would glorify you in everything that we do. I pray now that as we prepare to leave this place, Father, what I ask that we would do is very mindful that as we go out of the world that we live and the opportunity we have for live for you, May we be your ambassadors as we seek to live a legacy of faith. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.